Welcome to Cultivating Capacity, a podcast for sharing ideas around the understanding and practice of orthobionomy. My name is Jessica Mark, and I'm an advanced practitioner and instructor in the mountains of Western North Carolina, Asheville. And I'm excited to have this platform as a way to cultivate community and deepen ways to connect and learn from each other in our wider scope of orthobionomy. I'm so pleased today to be talking to Rosa Rodriguez. Rosa is a advanced practitioner and advanced instructor living and working in New York City. Welcome, Rosa. Hi, Jessica. How are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm excited to talk to you today. Um, what we Likewise. Did, yeah, what we, what we talked about discussing today was a topic of scoliosis. And in our orthobionomy program, we tend to look at scoliosis through our postural re-education and post-techniques class. We do a little bit uh, in that class specifically on scoliosis. And there are definitely some instructors who weave it into other uh, classes that they have. But I really wanted to get a little bit of uh, conversation going on what we do practically in terms of scoliosis in our, in our practice and with our clients and what tends to work and what are the things that maybe we've found that doesn't work so well um, and get a different lens um, from Rosa about how, how you might work with, with scoliosis. I'll just go ahead and start Rosa. How do you approach scoliosis when you're working with a client in orthobionomy? Well, I find it to be a really meaty subject, and I also find that it's one of those topics or things that people live with that is a, it's really a process. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some things that we address in orthobiomy sessions that you know you can just help this person resolve in one, two, three sessions. This is more like a process. Mm-hmm. And so I do feel that it's important to educate our clients. Mm-hmm. And just just so just to help them, guide them, support them, you know, be aware of what they're experiencing in their own bodies, because it will. I think that if they're gonna improve, it's gonna take some awareness on their part, and for them to kinesthetically, you know, be aware of how they are in their bodies. Right. So education to what it is, what scoliosis mm-hmm. is, what's going on specifically in their own body. And, and re-education is huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the whole proprioceptive piece is huge because what their brain perceives as being balanced or normal or mm-hmm. feeling good or right may be, may be not at all. Right, right. So, so it is one of those things that takes time for their brain to perceive a different reality as their, as their body changes. Because it's not just it's not just about the spine; it affects right. everything. Right. And do you feel like you give them kind of specific reeducation exercises, or are there are there ways in which you feel like you can uh, facilitate a little more awareness of where they are in their being in terms of what you specifically do for a client with scoliosis? Yeah, I mean, I think we all have things that we developed and we use, and I mean, there's the actual treatment. There's the actual assessment, there's the treatment, and then there's self-care exercises. Mm-hmm. And 
I do think it's important for the person to realize if, look, is this functional or is this structural? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to kind of break it down to that. And there's some people who come into my office who don't even realize that they have scoliosis. Yeah. They just know that their, their neck hurts, yeah. you know, or their shoulder hurts or their whatever, the part of their back hurts. And you may be the one who, who's, who tells them that that's what's going on in their body. Mm-hmm. And that they have these rotations and counter rotations. You can say it any way you want to, and anyway, and of course, any way that's legally uh, correct sure, in your state sure. to, say, right. to say it. But you may be—I found myself being the one to break the news uh, to somebody you know, right. more than one occasion. Right. Well, I've had to say to them, "Gee, has gee, has anyone ever diagnosed you with scoliosis?" Yeah. Right, right. And they go, "Oh, yeah, when I was a kid." But me, but meanwhile, they didn't. It didn't. They didn't carry that forward into mm-hmm. their mindset or they didn't which may be a good thing but but when it came down to putting it onto a medical intake the first treatment that i met with them the first appointment it didn't make it onto the, right. the medical right. health you know form so you know you had that discussion and so i i do think that um that there's a difference of how i work with mm-hmm. people if someone has functional scoliosis meaning scoliosis is just a a result of how they've used their bodies their whole lives or just some part of their life, the way they sit, the way they stand, the way they sleep, the way they do whatever, that that can be completely changed. But if someone has, you know, structural, and we're talking about genetic, such as predisposition, they've actually um, identified a a gene. Right, right. So so if, if that's the scenario, then we're talking about managing you know, we're talking about managing something. So you may work work them in the same way, but it's it's going to require some self-care on their part. And are they willing right. to participate in I've that? I've heard the, the uh, statistic that uh, 80% of us have functional scoliosis. Do you think that's true? In some, in some element, there's some kind of C-curve, S-curve? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I have to say that I, I see rotations. We all are dominant usually in one side and the other. I don't know. Yeah. Plus, I have to say that our bodies, you know, because they're genius, our bodies, if we have a rotation in one direction, your brain is going to make it counter rotate in the opposite to, to balance you out. You're, you're walking in circles. You walk down the street, <laughs> walking 45 degrees. Yeah, exactly. Walking. Right. Exactly. Your brain won't let you do that. So there will be, if there's a rotation, right. there will be a counter rotation. So I don't know if you want to call it scoliosis or if you want to call that just a compensation. Um, but I think there is most certainly always a compensation. I want to bring up one one interesting thing that, that I've played with a lot in my practice around scoliosis. So when I was a Pilates instructor and going through Pilates certification training, you know, Pilates instructors, yoga instructors tend to look through the lens of musculoskeletal systems to see the body, to make changes in the body, to um, find their poses and positions and techniques, right, that they use. There's not a lot of training. There is definitely some uh, in the yoga and Pilates world on other systems of the body, right? So they they have that, mostly that lens. And so the way that, that Pilates instructors have in the past approached working with people with scoliosis is sort of to, you know, strengthen the longer side and stretch the shorter or weaker side, right? Um, 
in, in, in doing that, it always kind of felt not quite right to me. It it felt a little forced and it felt Mm -hmm. like I was, we were trying to place another compensatory pattern on top of this pattern. Like we, it it always felt like we weren't unwinding what was, we were just sort of masking it by making the body look aligned by stretching here and strengthening there. Right. Right. And so I, it never really settled with me. Um, And then later in my, my trainings of, of other things somatically based, I started to understand the endocrine system. And I also started to understand Mm -hmm. the system, our organ system. And I, I began to see structural relationships between the endocrine system and the organ system as well as other things, but those two in particular. And so one of the things that's been interesting with me to play with in my practice is how I really think that there's a root of the structural imbalance in the endocrine system or an organ system. You know, it's like playing with those relationships a little bit more than the symptoms are occurring. We can see them occurring really in the structure, right? But how do we bring in relationship the the balance and the integration of other systems of the body uh, to be able to find that balance. So I was just wondering your your thoughts too. I know you are a professional dancer as well and thinking about movement and uh, and scoliosis is always, it's such an interesting, because I I do think most of us have functionally uh, those imbalances that we are, not symmetrical beings, right? We don't usually have dominant sides. And so how do we navigate through the world uh, being asymmetrical, always evolving, changing beings, uh, but still wanting to work towards what, what does balance look like and how do we define it? Well, this reminds me of a little story when I was 20 something years old in the 1970s. And I was spending a summer out in Colorado studying with Hanya Holm, who was one of the pioneers of modern mm-hmm. dance. Yes. And, you know, she had that famous Colorado Springs workshop every summer for decades. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was there for a month or however long it was. And one day, she would walk in every day in this, like, high-collared, full-length, sleeved, you know, black mm-hmm. skirt below her knees and tights and cane you know <laughs> that she would yeah just pound, right. you know, whip us with right and uh, <laughs> and uh and anyway so she was telling a story about discipline and about symmetry and she said mm-hmm. that she trained her body she she was right-handed and she would every day she would put on her makeup even her stage makeup with her left hand oh, wow. to train herself to just get oh, out of that wow. whole dominant hand thing so to yeah. the point where her whole left side was just you know, just as, uh, as talented as her right hand. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So anyway, I just thought of that because, yeah, I don't think we're particularly born symmetrical and our bodies sure aren't, but we, if we don't address that in some way or practice in some way or train ourselves in some way, I think our habits just lead on to imbalances. And, That's right. Right. So, you know, with orthobiomics, I think it's our job to help, um, guide our clients to awareness right and and that's going to be a different thing for every person so there'll be some people who kinesthetically already feel that their spine has taken an s curve and 
and there'll be others who just feel the pain. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. And I, and I, I do think that there are many different reasons that there's the structure and then there's the content of the box and maybe the organs are the re- are pulling, making the pulls. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Look, I, there, there's so many different reasons that, of, of what causes pulls and strains on structure. It doesn't have to right. all be muscle or, or even connective tissue it can be internal organs or emotions or, you know, if you look right. at that, look at, look at when uh, structural scoliosis first shows up is during puberty. So the yeah. bo- the body is going through these huge changes. And yeah. I think there's some studies also about um, kids who, whose parents are being divorced and they feel split in two ways. I mean, that, that kind right. of thing, there's actually studies right. on that. So right. I'm not an expert on that, but I do know that it's out there. So there's right. all kinds of different reasons for people's structure to change and shift. And the reality is that, that to me, it, it really does feel like a, that the communication has, has broken down slightly. There's maybe, that's not a great way to say it, but there's a, there's a static, if you will, on the line between one vertebra to the next, right? And there is a, there's an element of how do we reestablish that communication from right. one vertebra to the next, to the next, to the next, so that right. the whole spine is really communicating. And so much of what I feel like I do in scoliosis is, is try not to aim for everything being symmetrical and balanced, whatever that means, but to aim for mobility, right? Because yeah, and comfort. That, I would like to throw it well, in there. Well, for sure. Yeah, and comfort, yeah. 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 There's, the, there's the principle, right? Continuing to work on yeah. that, that element of, of finding the ease and finding the comfort. And then once we, we continue to stay in that vein, how do we continue to open up that vertebra to remind it that, no, it, it doesn't just have the capacity to rotate to the left, right? It, right. Has, it has the capacity to to know that there's more available, more capacity available to in a different rotational pattern or a different side bending pattern or flexion or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and do you feel like there are specific things that you do in your practice in terms of things that have worked or when you when you come in or when a client comes into your office and they they either know or they don't know that that there's scoliosis going on, but that's soon discovered. What, what do you feel like as your go-to in terms of, uh, okay, let me look at this or let me explore that? Um, do you have things like that? Or obviously, I do. I mean, I think that it's, it's, I think that first it's just finding out what the structure is up to. Mm-hmm. And, the, and this is going to be a full body look over. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you hate to break it down to just bones and muscle, but sometimes you have to, you have to go, okay, your pelvic, your, 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 start with the, you can start wherever you want to. And I don't know. Um, which is the chicken and which is the egg, sure. but you can always, you know, the pelvis is always a good place to start in my mind. There's bound to be rotation of, you know, this coxal bone and that coxal bone and what the lumbar, where, where, does, where does the rotation begin? And does the lumbar spine immediately go in the opposite direction or does it go with the coxal bone loading anteriorly? You know what I mean? Mm. And where do the count, where's the counter rotation begin and where does the mm. rotation to that begin? And how many rotations are there? Yeah. And what's the rib cage doing? Right. And you have to address it all. And I think the structure is a pretty good place to start yeah. just because for the first session, you get an idea of where those rotations are occurring. Yeah. 
and all the little muscles attached that may be, you know, you're going to have leg muscles that are in there too that are just trying to support all of this. Right. They're trying to just walk and stand and have this person just get through their daily life. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So it can't, like, just look at the spine. You have to look at the whole thing. But the entire, which is what makes it so intriguing, but also kind of difficult. Right. Um, and yes, I, I have specific, I have specific re-education uh, self-care exercises uh-huh. or techniques that I like for them to do every day uh-huh. because it really helps them tune into what is their body doing on a daily basis and it connects the brain to their body and back. It gets that right. loop, you know, hooked up. And then up. they're not just letting you do it for them every time they come to a session, but there is that re-education piece that's happening continually. Yeah, and that's... And that's actually, and that's actually yeah. huge. And I have to say that I think I agree with you. There's this part of just having one, whether it's one bone or one little section of the body that needs to talk to the other part and reestablish communication. I think that's something that orthobiomics does brilliantly mm-hmm. through all the different phases and reflexes, yeah. just to reestablish a new pathway. Yeah. Um, but I also think that at a certain point, that that some stabilization needs to happen. Like you were talking about the Pilates viewpoint. And I agree with you that sometimes it's a little artificially just set Mm -hmm. upon a person's body. And I think first there needs to be an open communication established and the pathways opened up and a little bit of re-education happening first. And the person can breathe and the diaphragm releases and things are flowing and they're out of pain. But then at a certain point, I think stabilizing exercises can be beneficial. Well, that turns on the the neuromuscular, you know, proprioceptors. Like, oh, there's where I am and there's where I can be, right? And then I can can keep that new pattern as opposed to always then going back into the old. Right. I can keep that new pattern and I have the strength to do it. And also, you know, ligaments, lax ligaments are part of of the picture of of structural, you know, hereditary structural Mm -hmm. scoliosis. Those limits right. can be lax, and so that right. can be part of it. So I think that stabilization actually at a certain point is yeah. really important. So it's it sounds to me as like that I, I really agree with you with the pelvis being the foundation of the spine, right? And there's, there's so many ways, again, to look at it, but to begin to work from that stable base or that, that base that can feel in relationship to the whole first and then being able to build on top of that is is so essential i think for the the clients with scoliosis to feel some sense of groundedness right some sense of like oh there i am yes. in relationship to the there earth and now i can build on top right. of that in in the, the places that uh, that feel most easy right I, I can i can have something to start from <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i agree it's just a reference. It's a foundational reference. Of course, and you have to look at the legs, too. There's no way, right. there's no way not to look at the whole body. You have to look at the knees and the quads and the, everything, the ankles and the feet and all of that. So just a huge uh, undertaking. But I think that, that what I have found is that clients are so relieved yeah. to be out of pain that they're willing to um, right. trust the process. Right. Well, when pain can, can diminish, then space is opened up for new possibilities to emerge, right? So that's, that's the goal. I think it's yes. also just sometimes, I don't know, I remember looking at scoliosis and kind of what we're talking about at the beginning of, of learning about it and really feeling overwhelmed, like, oh, I could look at this, I could look at that, or, 
oh gosh, it could be an endocrine yeah. thing. It yeah. could be oh from the so feet. Much. Oh, da, yeah. an emotional thing, and feeling overwhelmed right. and just wanting to like I know when I get that way, I have to be remind myself like okay, wait, where in the body can they respond from? That's the place I'm going to start from, right? Where whether it's structural, whether it's mm-hmm. fluid, whether it's um, ligamentous, right. um, organ, endocrine, wh- wherever, checking them out and right. realizing, where, like, where, oh, yeah. here's the best mm-hmm. connection. Here's where they have the most resource. And now we can we can move from there, right, to, to build that capacity. So that's great. I, I think that's a great way to look at it too, Jessica. And, and that's what I love about orthobiotomy. And that's also what's yeah. so difficult to teach in a scoliosis yeah, right. class, quote unquote, you know, or right. any kind of class. I mean, you have, and always, you have, yes, you have techniques and you have modes of working and ways to work with, but the reality of it is that every yes. single person is so different and the experience right. is right. a good teacher. Good. Well, thank you for that, Rosa. I feel like that was really wonderful to kind of dive in sure. a little bit to some of those specific issues with dealing with scoliosis. So that was lovely. So we want to move now to what we're calling our mailbag, which we realize that we should now call our Facebook bag, social media bag, right? <laughs> Instagram <laughs> bag or something. We need to Snapchat uh, bag. Get up with the times here. So we are wanting to take two questions. One is from Jan in Chicago, and she asks, her, her question states, uh, she's had a client come in for five sessions over the past eight weeks with shoulder pain when he moves his arm past 90 degrees. His symptoms always improve and his range of motion increases for about two days after a session, but then they seem to return soon after. Can you give me suggestions on why he improves, but then reverts back to old patterns? You want to take that one, Rosa? Any idea? Hmm. Yeah, well, right. of, course, of course, I have more questions <laughs> like, more you know, <laughs> that can't be answered. But yeah. tell me more about this person, you know, um, you know, like what was their injury or was there injury or is it just postural or because, you know, if it's just postural and there wasn't some event, then you may have to start asking him yeah. questions about how was he using his body. And, you know, how is he sleeping? How is he standing? How does he sit? How does he, is he schlepping things? You know, what, you know, mm-hmm. how does he use his body the mm-hmm. the rest of the time when you don't see him? I always have to ask them about, you know, have they gotten a diagnosis? I mean, I hate to, sometimes you had to just go Western manicure and just go, okay. Because, I mean, you know what, most people, oh, and I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people I have found don't like to go to doctors mm-hmm. and they would rather come to you because it feels so good and just have you quote unquote fix them. And, you know, and, and if something never, ever, ever resolves or it feels better for a while and you're, and you suspect things mm-hmm. as a therapist, you're going, well, I wonder if this is a tear, a tendon tear, it's their shoulder. Maybe there's a, just a tear in there that we don't know about. And we get it aligned as much as possible and it's easy for a little while, but the reality of it is that it's a week and there's a tear or whatever, you know? So I just started asking questions like, gee, did you ever yeah. have an, an image taken? Did you ever talk, did right. you ever get a, a diagnosis? Cause right. I can't do that. It's not in my scope right. of practice. And so I'm just working here in the blind and yeah. you get better than it's not. It's been five That's sessions right. now. And usually so. I say, look, if it's not, if the volume is not changing in three sessions, then we need to look at other places. We need to, this is out of my scope of practice. The, the, the 
body's brilliance to me is so yeah. on it that that if we're if you were able to change, that gives me hope that change is possible, right? So your body did find a new place. So we want to we exactly. want to honor that and give it kudos. But what is happening? Right between the time that it's good and now it gets bad again, you know, again, like you said, like, is there uh, other movement things that somebody's doing a repetitive movement all the time, or they're sitting at their computer funny or motion, um, go back into an emotionally, you know, difficult situation or whatever the issue is. Right. So I do, I agree with you. I think there's more questions, but I always think that like, okay, if we can find, a happier place, then the body has the ability, right? And how else it is. Yeah, it is. Yes. It's encouraging. Deeper. Right? It's encouraging, but you have to start looking at other things. Is there inflammation? Is there a tear? Is there whatever? Some, you know, how do you use your body? Okay. Question number two is from Chris from Santa Fe. Chris says that I'm in the process of building my practice, and most of my practice people have been my friends and family. Now I'm making the transition to paying clients, and I'm finding it more difficult to work on these close people. How do I keep my boundaries clear with my friends and family, and is this a good idea to even work with them? Such a good question, and I have lots of thoughts about it. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Um, yeah, let us well, know. Well, look, I think, you know, obviously it's an ethical <laughs> question and very ba- being very clear with your boundaries issue. I don't think that it's impossible mm-hmm. to work with friends. I think ideally, if you have other practitioners in your town, it's just simpler if you say, hey, my other my colleague so-and-so is a terrific practitioner and because we're friends and maybe it's just mm-hmm. easier if you see them instead of me, you know, then it just keeps it really simple. But sometimes yeah. if you're the only practitioner yeah. in town, you're getting things going and you've been right. talking it up and they want to come to you and they're really great about telling all their friends and that's how you're getting things going in the community. Then there you are, you know, if you're the only person. Um, and that mm-hmm. can be the scenario, you know, that there weren't right. any practitioners in New York city when I, right first started studying ortho by me so so you know um if you're it you're the only person right. or there then you have to say okay um you're my friend but let's just be very clear about it just Here be verbal go. be i think it's best to just be direct and yeah. say this is the session it's going to cost you this much amount of money and just be the professional about it and keep it very separate keep your friendship very separate from from the treatment as clear as clear, clear, clear. Yeah, clear, clear, clear. I think the the hard part is, you know, when you when you have those people that you work on and you're clear with your boundaries. This happens to me a lot. And then right. you go to a barbecue, and, and someone's right. there, and they just twist their ankle. <laughs> right. And you know, <laughs> and they come up to you and they say, "Please, can you? I really want you to look at my ankle." Those are the those are the hard yes. hard times too, right? Of when do you say, you know, I'm I'm gonna look, I'm happy to look at it. Usually, what I say is I'm right. happy to look at it for five to ten minutes. But if it feels like it's gonna be more, than I think that, that's a great I, I think that's a great answer. I mean, it depends on how far um, you want to go. If you're trying to drum up business, you could give them a whole, you know, you could give, 
you could give them 20 minutes True. or half an hour and then start passing your card out. Or, you know, that's right. If, yeah, that's right. Next, or, you know, or, or next in line. I'm, I'm more in, in uh-huh. mindset how you deal with that and just say, gee, you know, have you iced it or give them some acute first aid or something suggestions, but, um, sure. but say, gee, you know, this looks like it's more involved right. and, and, um, you know, why don't you email me or, you know, make yeah. an appointment and we'll, we'll give it a full look yeah. at, look at, yeah. you know, I think it, it <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, I love it. I think one of the, the greatest, uh, challenges in life is how to negotiate yes. relationships, right? So as we add in those different hats that we wear, it's like, okay, suddenly I'm not just your cousin, but I'm also your practitioner, uh, then then you then it, it just is cleaner for everyone if you can state your um, and even oh, state I agree. your trepidations. Just be clear it, about it. Right? To just to be honest and say, yeah, like, gosh, I don't know if it's gonna work for me. I just feel too close to you. Um, yeah. What else can we do? Yeah. I think I think clarity, I think it clarity, is clarity is the way to go. Speak it out. Just say it directly. Don't be afraid of hurting anybody's oh, feelings, right. and you know, and and just clarity about what the deal is, what the money is, what the time is, what to expect, what not yeah. to expect. You know, all those things. And even with family, is it going to be a free thing, or is it going to be a discounted thing, or you know. And how big your family right. is, you know. <laughs> that's right. You know, that's right. You, you have a whole practice. practice. So, so I think just Who just knows? being really clear yeah, about it with right. without any kind of charge. You know what I mean? Just be very try to yeah. try to stay very neutral about it, neutral. and just make it about we. I just I just want to make sure that we both had the same understanding about this, so that there aren't any misunderstandings or hard feelings or whatever. So let's just you know state state what it is. That's great. I think that's great. Good. Yeah, good good question. question. Okay. So we want to, um, we want to hear a little bit more about oh, you. Oh, sure. I would love, <laughs> would love to, um, to hear a little bit more about what, how did you get started with orthobiotomy? What's your story with finding? You know, that? I always love hearing everyone's story about how they were first introduced to orthobiotomy. And, and mine was a real sideways kind of, introduction it was in the 1980s I was dancing a professional dancer and I mm-hmm. was touring and my husband was touring a lot he was a musician and so we had always frequent flyer miles that would take us to Hawaii which was fabulous mm-hmm. and that's where I, when we yeah. met we befriended a guitarist who was also a student of orthobiotomy and his partner in life was a you know is still a massage therapist and uh, practitioner of orthobiotomy and so that's how I was introduced to it was well you have to check this stuff out it's so fabulous you know and so I took my first class mm. in Hawaii in 1989 and um, was very happy to learn that there actually were some classes happening in the city that I had no idea about so I was able to come mm. back and and study here in the city and one thing led to another I was still dancing so it wasn't it wasn't my Mm-hmm. on my my first Your you know first my first gig, gig list but yeah. but I was I had been studying and practicing shiatsu and things like that and um and I was segueing into a life as a personal trainer about the same time 89 1990 and became certified in 1991 so I you know I have a degree of a master's degree in dance and I had certified as a 
uh, fitness instructor through the American Council of Exercise, and I was doing those two things mostly to professionally to for love and to pay the bills, all those things. Um, And so that's when I started to study orthobiotic. It was when it was in late eighties and early nineties, and one thing led to another in nineteen ninety five, and I toured a lot uh, in nineteen ninety five. I or 94, I came back from a tour and, and, um, I'd been on the road for six months and there, there were no, there was no longer any classes in the city cause things had changed. And, um, and I was like, gee, I really would love to come back and take a class, but I didn't feel like I didn't want to have to fly to yeah. take a class. And so it was purely selfish yeah. reasons of like, gee, do I want to pack my bag and go fly someplace for a class? And I was like, well, gee, no, I met all these terrific practitioners and teachers along the way on my tours uh-huh. and I used to travel with my little directory and make appointments in whatever city that I could. Right. right? And so right. that's how it started. And so oh, that's wow. really how it started. So when I first asked Morel Stackhouse to come into the city in 1995 to teach the class, I had met her in Madison, Wisconsin on a day off of a tour. Oh my goodness. And that's how we wow. met. And so I just thought, gee, yeah. let's bring her in and I want to learn that weird work that she was doing. So, right. so that's how it started. You know, it. one thing just leads to another basically uh, right. just one class after another and next thing you know you're halfway there through the program and you sign and up you're and, an advanced instructor suddenly, right? <laughs> how many, how many years later i'm an advanced instructor well you know it, yeah. it resonates with you right and so um or it doesn't but it certainly did with me and my whole system and yeah. um anything that was just uh going with the body as opposed to against it and non-invasive and non-judgmental for me it was just the the yeah. the most supportive way to learn mm-hmm. and I became a licensed massage therapist in the state of New York mm-hmm. which was a two-year degree and so you know you do what you need to do to practice and learn and um, so that's my my story is just the movement. And so then, what does your practice look like today in terms of your like I, I'm always just so curious about what people's client load is what their pacing is like in a week or a month, um, right? And and then what kind of do you feel like you specialize in anything, or you, your typical kind of clients that resonate with the the way you um, are in relationship to the work? Tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, I do know we all know people who specialize, and they have sort of niches, or they have certain populations that they, people come to them for that reason. I have to say that I'm not one of those people. That I'm just sort of a general practitioner. You know, mm-hmm. and I see all kinds of people from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. Um, some are dancers, some are trapeze artists, some are architects, some are designers, some are mothers, some are lawyers. I just have across mm-hmm. the board all kinds of different, you know, people with different interests doing different things. And um, my my the amount of sessions I give in a week has changed in the I would say the past six months. It was a purposeful move. I was up to anywhere between 18 and 22 a week. And mm-hmm. um, and then I needed to uh, lighten my load, basically. Yeah, yeah. And so now I'm, I'm, now I'm working three, I see clients three and a half days a week. Uh-huh. And I have one Saturday a month that I see people, which I was, which is new. Yeah. But I feel like, I feel like I needed to um, accommodate some of the people who couldn't no longer come in, who couldn't come on the days that I was cutting out. So getting, you know, offer a weekend so uh-huh. now i'm at the somewhere between 12 and 15 nice. clients a week yeah. which is very comfortable and it gets me right. it works for me and it gives me time to also do a fair amount of 
desk work or administrative work because I'm also coordinating classes in New York. Okay. So it gives me right. yeah, you know, it gives me time to coordinate and not be insane with all that and just to yeah. not not insane because it's hard, but insane just because I would always do it at eight o'clock at night. So now I actually get to sit down <laughs> on Monday Monday morning and act like I'm actually at what work and from nine to five work at yeah. my desk. You know what right. a concept. Right. Right. So <laughs> So just be a little gentler with myself in that way. Balance, yeah, I like that. You know, a little bit more space and time. So that's what my practice looks like. I really and I really enjoy the variety. To be perfectly Mm -hmm. honest, Mm -hmm. I I like having different kinds of people come in with different kinds of things. It keeps me on my toes. It keeps me learning. We're always learning. Love that. I always feel like I can get better. I know that I could be better than what I am now. I yeah. I admit to being a latent perfectionist. You know, I'm really trying to get over that. <laughs> but I, but I also think that I could be better. You know, I can yeah. you can always just improve as a teacher, as a practitioner. So I love those challenges yeah. of um, you know, when when people come in and go, gee, hmm, wow, yeah, you know, and orthobiomy, orthobiomy because it's not that well known of a modality yet. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know, we sometimes get people who they've tried everything else. Right. We're at the end of the and line. And I just heard about this quirky thing. We're at the end of the line of, gee, I never heard about this. And and so sometimes you get these these scenarios where people just, you know, they're they've tried a gazillion things yeah. and and um so here they are in your room. Right, right. It oh it you know? keeps it interesting. It's a challenge to me the 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 beauty of being able to meet anyone with any particular issue right it's yeah it's a beautiful thing I mean obviously knowing our scope of practice but still being able to uh, find what the relationship is in order to help the body's brilliance come to the surface so I just love that you have such a wide variety that's great and and how about you do you have a variety also I do and that I just love it I I never know what I'm going to run into in my day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It it's so intriguing and interesting. And I love working with all ages. I've been working a lot more with babies and children, adding those into my practice yeah. too. And that's just a whole other dimension of fun and talk about uh, flexibility. And, <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, never, really. I never was that trained, you know, in orthobiotomy <laughs> of how to do this, you know, this way. I didn't know that. Yeah, we could look like this, but here we are doing this thing. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. It's it's very exciting, even if it's a client that you've seen before and you think you know their patterns, and maybe you do know their patterns, but you never know what they're going to walk in right. with yeah. that yeah. day. And and that's why I love that mm-hmm. ortho biomedical really principle based and not technique mm-hmm. based. Yeah, I think I have to watch myself with the. I, I definitely have a handful of kind of the regulars who want to come. Uh, usually once a month or once every couple of weeks. And I, I can easily get into my patterns with them, right? And then suddenly mm-hmm. we're in this pattern and mm-hmm. I'm noticing like, oh, wait a minute. that may, Maybe that pattern worked for three months ago, but does it still work now? And how do I, how do I continue to sort of hit the refresh button, if you will, and notice yeah. what I'm not and see the bigger See yeah. the bigger picture. Like, oh, I, See the bigger picture That's where right. they are now. What is it for you know, today? And, what am yeah. I not seeing? You know, what have I been curious yeah. about? So that's great. What do you feel like are the biggest challenges for you in your practice? Oh, gee, that's a good question. Or are there any? There may not be any. Oh, of course there are. <laughs> um, oh, no, everything's just oh, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, mm. um, well, 
Well, you know, I think it's expectations. Mm -hmm. My expectations and their expectations. Mm, you know, good. I think that um, that people want immediate mm -hmm. relief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it's possible and sometimes it's more of a process. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. So people are, at least in New York, are fairly goal-oriented. Mm -hmm. You may have heard that about New Yorkers. <laughs> and, you don't say. You don't say. Uh -huh. And so, you know, you have, sometimes with a new, with a new client, you only have one chance yeah. to introduce the work to them, to see if you can support their healing, to see if they even understand it in those terms. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. Um, so... I think that that may be, even though I, at this point, I'm like, I'm confident. I'm like, whatever. I feel confident yeah. myself and yeah. the work and all that. But I would still say, you know, with someone new, you still have to figure out where they are, what they understand about, you know, what they can feel in their own body, how aware they are, if you can connect with mm -hmm. them, you know, what's the, where's the communication going to happen? Where's it going to happen? Mm -hmm. How is it going to happen? Where is it, where is it going to happen? And, you know, to know my own tendencies, which is to not be a heavyweight physically. So I just, I just, am, I would say that my challenge in the past has been to be, I had a little fear about just saying, hey, gee, you know, look, I'm you know, not even five feet tall and I'm mm -hmm. 100 pounds. I'm a lightweight. Mm -hmm. So if you feel more, if you need more physical presence from me, or if you need a firmer grip right. or a firmer pressure or whatever, let right. me know. Right. Because I, my tendency is to be, quote unquote, yeah. light. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, and just to s talk about just saying that up front, so so that they are not sitting there for half an hour saying, "Gee, I wish you'd really give me yeah. more compression on my sacrum or right. whatever it is." Right. You know, just let them know that they can talk yeah. to me. It's t I'm not I'm not going to be insulted or feel mm -hmm. bad about it. That really is just about what they're you know what in what way we will what we message how can their body how can they how can we meet them and how can yeah. they hear the message. Yeah. So that's just what it was about. That's a really different way of working. So we tend to practice how we want to be worked on, right? <laughs> because we yeah. that's how sometimes to some we, degree. we learn, yeah. like, oh, that's what I like. And so that's when we start to resonate around that. And I think a good practitioner, like you're saying, kind of is able to turn the turn the dial, turn the tone in different ways in order to to meet that person, right? And still be fully present in yes. your own system but yeah right right yeah but, yeah it really is just about work where the work in the conversation be yes, take place exactly so and just open that up how do you feel like your orthobiotomy practice was built word of mouth do you feel like hmm oh yeah it was definitely word of mouth for me i live in the i mean live in new york city eight and a half mm -hmm. million people i'm female i i work out of my home my treatment room is within my mm -hmm. apartment my family's here, so it is definitely word of mouth. Um, I mean, even though having said that, you can find me easily on the Ortho Find Me website, and my mm -hmm. phone number's there, and my email. So um, you can find me easily. So, um, so I would say basically internet and word of mouth. Yeah. It's referrals. I have some client who just uh, uh, another whatever. Lately, it's been a Pilates teacher or another massage therapist or just another client or whoever people start talking. And I think in New York City, they especially talk around the new hot thing. Or, oh, gee, I had this, you know, I know I have one client who says, oh, I have this yeah, woman who you're just yeah. going to love. I mean, that kind well, of thing. So they, they introduced me to their, 
friends and colleagues. Word and gets out, right? And, and New Yorkers don't Word mess around out. with what works. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're they're, they're going to tell you straight <laughs> up if it worked or not. So yeah. then, you know, they will refer to yes. that, that works for them, no matter what it's called or who does it. <laughs> yes. So I've never, I've had the luxury of never mm-hmm. having to advertise, whether that's good or bad. I think for me as a female, yeah. it's the way I feel safe. I mean, you know, it, I know it, it probably hasn't helped in terms of getting the, the word of ortho biomy out there into the world. But, but in terms of your practice, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a door, I don't have a doorman in my building. You know, they yeah. bring me, they yeah, come straight to my you. apartment. You know, I have, right. to know, I have to know who they are. I have a right. conversation with them first. You know, I get the feeling of who they are, who yeah, referred them. So I know that's who they are when they come to me. Well, Rosa, I want to just thank you. This has been such a lovely conversation. I always enjoy chatting with you and diving deeper into all things orthobionomy. So thank you so much for your time. Um, I would love to, yeah, it's been really great. Um, I'd love to let uh, everyone know if they would like to reach you for a session or a class or uh, any of the above of how to get in touch with you. How can they do that? Oh, there are a couple of different ways. You can just email me. That really is the simplest. Uh, if you go to the orthobiomy.org website, you'll find me there. But it is just rosa.m.rodriguez at iCloud.com. You can email me. Um, you can go to the orthobiomy website and just find a practitioner and type in Rosa and I'll pop up and my contact information is there. I also have a Facebook page that I manage that lets you know about orthobiomy biome classes in New York City and it's just entitled as such ortho biome in NYC so you could um, you know follow that page if you want to and I announce classes if you wish to be put on our email list for classes in the city here then I can happily do that and you'll get all the promo emails about upcoming classes um, the last way I think the last thing is just dissolvepain.com if you're interested in uh, a body yes. eat program Please tell us more about that. Well, it's a, self, it's a self-care program that Idan Harari came to me about many years ago. He was so excited about orthobiotomy, and he wanted to know if I would be game to make a video. And I was like, well, sure. Mm-hmm. And we just jumped right in to it. Uh, it's a 40-minute digital video with very easy self-care exercises. It's in real time. Uh, which is a different format in terms of, um, you know, just following along. It's presented in segments, so you can find some part of the body and go to that part of the body without having to look through the whole 40 minutes to get mm. to the leg or the, you know what I mean? You can just kind of go, okay, shoulder area or pelvis or spine. Yes, it's fabulous. So it's, very, it's a fabulous It's very video. simple. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. It's just really simple, but that's my, that's really what I think self-care should be right. is easy, simple, things you think that everybody should know. Yes. But but maybe don't. Right. And I meant it for our client base. It's great for clients as well. I know. For clients. I I tell about it all the time. It's a great resource. Wonderful. Thank you, Rosa. Thank you. I wanted to remind people that the national site, international site maybe is ortho-bionomy.org. So you can find lots of practitioners there as well as Rosa um, and myself. If you are curious about orthobionomy in the Asheville, North Carolina area, our website is orthobionomy.net, and our Instagram is orthobionomyavl, and Facebook as well, orthobionomyavl. So I hope you will check out any of those resources or any of the practitioners in your own area, and thanks again for joining us for Cultivating Capacity. We'll see you next time, friends.